Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, we have Scott McKillop, who is the CEO of First Ascent Asset Management. First Ascent Asset Management. Now, we were turned on to him by a good friend of ours uh, named Doug Heikinen. Doug uh, runs the website iris.xyz. If you have not subscribed to it yet, make sure that you do. But what Scott is doing and what First Ascent Asset Management doing is truly unique and different. And you all know as our listeners that we love it when people come on and talk about something new within financial services. It gets us super excited and hopefully we'll provide something as another outlet for you to be able to separate yourself from the advisor down the street. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matt. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Let's talk about how you got to being the CEO of First Ascent Asset Management. Give us a little bit of your history if you don't mind. Sure. I I started out life as a, a lawyer back in Washington, D.C. Uh, in the mid-70s, so I'm kind of an old guy. I practiced law for about 15 years and then got into the asset management business. I joined one of, the, one of my clients and uh, started learning about asset management, and pretty quickly we ended up doing something that was very unique and unusual at the time, we started this thing that is now called a TAMP, but it was uh, a firm that was designed to help financial advisors outsource their portfolio management. And at the time, that was a very new concept. There weren't any firms that we were aware of that were doing it, but it took off pretty quickly. And we uh, grew to, I think, a billion and a quarter uh, dollars. That was at a firm called Adam Investment Services. Um, then Adam was purchased by PMC, which is now part of the Investnet organization. So I moved out to Denver with that uh, with that purchase and became president of PMC for a while, uh, moved on to another firm that was uh, in the consulting business. I was doing consulting for a lot of large financial services firms who were interested in serving financial advisors. So I was helping them uh, understand how to do that. Then I went to a firm called U.S. Fiduciary. I uh, was a president of the uh, U.S. Fiduciary Advisory Services there, and we were building another uh, TAMP. But there we were doing something different. Again, we were uh, working with a broker-dealer, an affiliated broker-dealer that was run by Elliot Weisbluth, who's now, I guess, chairman at Hightower. And so we were working together trying to develop a, a landing place for breakaway brokers. That was a pretty interesting experience. And then uh, moved on to Frontier Asset Management, which was another, uh, at the time, relatively small TAMP. And we grew that to uh, $2 billion or so. And then I left and started First Ascent because I had a just a handful of ideas that I thought were really interesting ideas for this industry that nobody was doing. And so I wanted to be the guy to do them. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. That that's all I've got for that. I, I'm that's that's phenomenal. I mean, what what a great journey and what a consistent theme, right? I love when when somebody comes into such a fixed, so many years behind the general societal 
for uh, for uh, folkways and mores right of, of what's going on and so many people just get into this industry scott and they just still like yeah you know i'm gonna make a lot of money and i don't need to change anything but throughout your history you've been consistently pushing the envelope which is why this first ascent asset management is so disruptive tell us what that is and why you're literally changing the game sure well the the handful of ideas that we had are as follows. The first one, the most obvious one, is that we decided instead of charging a percentage of asset center management for our services, we would charge a low flat fee. So right now we charge $500 per year per account, and we have a $1,000 household cap. So if you have five accounts, the most you'll ever pay is $1,000 a year. And that's uh, true regardless of account size at this point. So uh, we've really changed the pricing dynamic for uh, outsourced portfolio management, and it's been very well received uh, by financial advisors, but that's kind of the first thing that attracts people to us. Uh, The second thing I think is we've decided to build portfolios in a uh, somewhat non-traditional way, just a a little different than than the normal approach. You know, people who are building portfolios today tend to build very uh, complex portfolios with lots of holdings, lots of positions, lots of asset, asset classes represented and so forth. And really my observation was, as I was looking at this, was most of the time those portfolios just fail to deliver on the, the promise. And we could have a, you know an hours long discussion about why that is, but, but we decided to take what we refer to as an elegantly simple approach to portfolio construction. So we build portfolios that are very broadly diversified, but have relatively few holdings. And we trade them relatively infrequently, and we pay a lot of attention to the costs, internal expenses, and so forth associated with those portfolios. So by keeping number of holdings low, keeping the trading low, keeping the internal expenses low, the the portfolios are very uh, cheap. So, you know, you add that together with, uh, with our flat fee, and a financial advisor can come to us and work with us for a very low cost and provide their clients very um, sophisticated portfolios. We have a, a, a incredible investment team. We have uh, six people about to be seven now on our investment committee. We just uh, brought on a new CFA. Um, so I think we have four CFAs, a PhD economist, et cetera. So it's a very experienced and um, uh, intelligent group of people building these portfolios. So even though we've kept the cost down for all of this, the quality is extremely high. And then the, the third thing that we're doing that's a little different, uh, actually very different, I guess, is um, most of our industry has been driven by a wholesaler-driven distribution strategy. So every Monday, the wholesalers get on airplanes and go out and visit face-to-face with advisors. And we thought, given the technology that's available today to firms like ours, that was a fairly inefficient and wasteful uh, approach to uh, doing the distribution. So instead, what we've done is we've developed what we call a virtual wholesaling process that involves interacting with financial advisors using technology, much like the technology we're using right now to talk to each other. But we we use our website, we use PR, we use social media, we use uh, digital marketing techniques. We do quite a number of things to try to interact with financial advisors without getting on airplanes on Monday morning. And as a result, we're able to keep our costs down. We're able to interact with far more advisors than we otherwise would. 
And uh, when problems come up or questions come up in the conversations, we can just, you know, this, our salespeople can just walk down the hall and get them resolved right on the line. So it's a very efficient and um, cost-effective way to interact with advisors. And what we're finding is most advisors would rather interact with us that way anyway, rather than having to put something on their calendar two weeks in advance and mm-hmm. wait for the wholesaler to show up in their office. So those, that, those are just a handful of the ideas that we're using here to try to uh, change things and maybe not change the whole world, but change at least a little corner of it. Sure. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate if you don't mind here, because sure. you, you had talked about costs and be able to keep costs low. Yeah. How, what is passed on past your regular fee, right? So the thousand dollar cap or whatever, what is passed on to the client and what's passed on to the advisor? Sure. So the client, uh, obviously is paying internal expense ratios for the, uh, for the funds and ETFs that we use in our portfolios. Some of our port, we have four different series of portfolios, which we could talk about, but, but all of them, um, have some ETFs, Some of them are all ETF portfolios, but uh, we do use some actively managed mutual funds in some of our portfolios. So the internal expense ratios are passed through and the trading costs are passed through. So when we buy or sell an ETF, I think it costs $6.95 and we buy or sell an actively managed fund, that's $24. So so those costs are passed through to the uh, clients. But as I said, because we have relatively few positions and don't trade very often, those costs are pretty low. Who can use you? Any financial advisor who wants to give us a call can can use us as far as we're concerned. Now, some financial advisors are, are affiliated with broker-dealers, and uh, we typically then have to get a selling agreement with the broker-dealer. But we're available on the InvestNet platform. We're available on the Adhesion platform. We're available through Orange. We're available through Vestmark, uh, Verity, um, SmartX, or you can just work directly with us. So okay. uh, just give us a call. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me play devil's advocate with you because you, you had sure. said keeping costs down and, and I know our audience, they immediately wanted to have those questions answered. So thank you for doing that. You've been in business for a long time and I believe that when I have the honor to interview somebody like you who has as much experience, it would be negligent of me not to ask you about things, missteps that you've made in your career which have allowed you to really learn and make the next big leap. So would you mind telling us about something that just didn't go as well as you were hoping, but that it was a magnificent learning experience? Yeah, I think, I think the, I think all of the, all of the failures of which there are uh, probably more than I'd like to uh, admit have to do with one of two things. I think one, one of those is just communications failures. I think that, you know, the the experience at uh, U.S. Fiduciary where I was working with Elliot Weisbluth is a, is a good example. I think uh, we had uh, differences of, of opinion about things and disagreements about how the world should go, which I think we could have resolved with better uh, communication between the two of us and would have liked, you know, in retrospect, as I look back on that, I wish we had uh, both taken uh, more time to try to, to do that and really resolve our differences. You know, I think, I think, that there's, there's in business, there's just an assumption somehow that sitting down and, and being vulnerable and opening up and really letting people know what's on your mind and where you're coming from is, is somehow a sign of weakness or something. Um, and I find that's just uh, totally wrong. So I think when you're having problems or you're struggling in an area, 
that you should uh, really sit down with the people that you're having difficulties with and try to try to work through those. And I find that um, most people will respond in a very positive way to that. So I think the uh, the communications issue is one. The other is is just to be yourself. That is um, a lot of the things that we're doing here at First Ascent, for example, were were ideas that I had at my uh, former firm. But I just couldn't get my partners to go along with uh, some of them. The flat fee idea, for example, was one we talked about, and they just weren't weren't interested. And 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 so you you can get frustrated and and struggle if you're not um, if you're not doing what you really believe is the right thing to do. I think. And so uh, when I when I finally got myself in a position where I could do uh, what I thought was the right thing for clients and for advisors and really implement the um, the ideas and strategies that we had. Uh, I, f- I felt much better and I think the business went much better. And so I would say be yourself and communicate well. Those are the two things. I guess there's a, th- a third thing, which is just perseverance. Almost everything that I've ever done that turned out to be a success was uh, didn't look like a success <laughs> at the beginning. It's very unusual for things to, you know, especially if you're starting or doing something new, it's very unusual for that to uh, be successful from day one. And so there's a lot of uh, trial and error. There's a lot of experimentation. There's a lot of uh, just plain grinding it out. And I think where a lot of people just fall short is they don't they don't believe enough in what they're doing or they don't believe enough in themselves or their team and they uh, they just quit before they get to the uh, to the promised land and so just sticking with it and being you know being a, a badass mm-hmm. <laughs> about pursuing your ideas i think is just a really important thing now we're going to switch gears and we're going to have the opportunity for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. As you know, uh, people like to do business with people they like, trust, and have things in common with. So I'm going to ask you five or six questions uh, that are just going to kind of uh, hopefully allow you to let us see under the hood of what makes Scott McKillop you. <laughs> Is that cool? Okay. All right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, tell me something that nobody knows about you. Uh, well, I think one of the one of the stories about my early life that that tends to delight people that for, uh, I guess for obvious reasons, but it's something that very few people know. And that is that uh, when I was, I don't know, 14 or so, I took uh, guitar lessons from Jerry Garcia, which was kind of a fun thing and uh, gets people uh, to smile when they hear about it. So that's one thing. Well, I when I found that out, I was cheesing it from year to year, man. So that is that's one of the coolest and very, I, I'm assuming there probably aren't a lot of people who took lessons from Jerry. Yeah, I think I think there for for a few years in the area where I was, Palo Alto, Menlo Park, California. There, he he actually taught at two different guitar studios there, Dana Morgan and uh, Guitars Unlimited, and and uh, so he had a he had a fair number of students for a while. But of course, he he and his band uh, took off pretty early, and mm-hmm. uh, he gave up the uh, the teaching gig. So, do you still play? Uh, yeah, I, nice. I play regularly. I have a a band that I play with on a regular basis now. That's awesome. Is it? I'm still a rocker. Hey, there you go, man. Never let that die. What is one thing that you always give away? Like, um, is it like a, when somebody says, you know, what is your best piece of advice or that go-to thing when you meet somebody new and you're, you really connect with them, what is that one thing that you recommend the most? Well, 
you know, I, I give I give advice freely. So it, I think it's one of those things that surprises people sometimes is in this day and age, people, you know, set up so many barriers and screens to um, to maintain their time uh, management and all, all of that. But I, I, I find that just interacting with other business people, entrepreneurs and, you know, discussing ideas that they have or concerns that they have is just is um, something that's very worthwhile and it's kind of my way of giving back. So I I just uh, kind of opened the communications channels to whoever wants to talk to me. And the advice is different every time. You know, people have different things that they're trying to work on or different things that they're worried about. And so I, uh, but I, I just think that being free with your advice, it's something that I've accumulated over the years and I'm just very willing to share it. So what is the best advice you've ever received? I, I, I really think it's, it's just to, to stick with things. You know, it's a kind of mundane uh, answer to the question, I think. But I think really, really the, the difference between people who succeed at things and people who don't really has just a lot to do with the uh, perseverance and their, their you know, willingness to stick with something and keep doing it even in the face of, of failure or uh, difficulty, I think just really sorts people out pretty, pretty clearly. There are a lot of people who have good ideas about things, a lot of people who have talent, but uh, I think it's the, it's the people who, who remain dedicated to their goal, to their mission, who really um, end up succeeding and, and having the most fruitful lives. And so I think that's the best advice that I ever received. Well, let's talk about goals and success. What, what are your goals? I mean, what are your goals with this, with this new first ascent asset management besides taking over the world? What, what would you like to do? Yeah. So the, the the first thing I would like to do, this is something that really uh, would mean will mean a lot to me when when we get to this point is I'd like to look at my team because we have a team here that I think is just awesome. Best team I've ever worked with. And they are they are hardworking, a dedicated crew. They care as much about this business as I do. And I'm looking forward to the day when I can turn to them and we can all look at each other and say, we did it. You know, we got there. That is, and that probably will be the day when we finally uh, get to profitability. You know, we're not there yet. We're still a, a relatively young firm, but we. I, I just want to. I just want to look these people in the eye and say, "Hey, what we set out to do, we we accomplished." Because we've had, you know, it's been three years now that we've been uh, since we launched the firm. Our three-year track record is coming up here at the end of this month. And a lot of hard work, as you can imagine, starting something uh, as different as First Ascent. And I just want to look at those those people, you know, my colleagues and uh, team members, and just um, you know have that smile and that that uh, that knowledge that we made it. So that's number one. Uh, number two, yeah, we definitely want to change the world. And so I would love to see someday that this model that we are creating now, uh, you know, had a life of its own and maybe even saw a couple of competitors come in to the marketplace who were uh, copying what we do and just, you know, make it, uh, make it a, a real category in the, in the TAMP space, maybe in the asset management space in general, where, uh, where flat fees rather than this percentage of assets under management uh, approach really take hold. Because, you know, these days, the re- I mean, the reason we're doing it and the reason why it works for us is because the technology is there to let us do it now. It's, it really makes no sense to charge more for a million-dollar portfolio than, than we charge for a $100,000 portfolio. The effort and the work that go into those are uh, identical. And so 
um, there's just a logic to what we're doing that I think will uh, hopefully take over at some point. So let's talk about the future because you just teed me up for that, which was brilliant, sure. by the way. <laughs> so what do you see uh, in the next five, 10 years within our industry? What are the major philosophical, technical, emotional business uh, shifts that you see coming down the pipeline? Yeah. So, so obviously technology is just changing everything. And, you know, that's so obvious that it's, you know, it's, a, but it's an observation that I, that I have to make because it really sets the stage for everything else. So, so there's so many things that financial advisors and asset managers have done in the past that can and is being automated. And so that, that is going to take place at a very rapid uh, pace, which means that financial advisors need to figure out what things they can do that are valuable that can't be automated. So so advisors need to think that process through, trying to uh, trying to do the same old things that they've done in the past uh, as as those as those tasks are being automated or as you know as they can be outsourced now, for example, portfolio management and uh, you know the kind of portfolio management we do. I don't know why financial advisors would want to do that themselves. You know it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. And and now you know with firms like ours around you can you can outsource to very high quality firms and um, save yourself a lot of time and and devote it to uh, getting new clients servicing the clients you have and so forth. But there's there are lots of things that financial advisors can do like um, uh, financial education, behavioral coaching, um, even the client profiling process. I think is something that can be partially automated, but really. Those those advisors who who really focus on that and really understanding who their clients are and 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 how they think about the world will be rewarded. So a lot of you know a lot of financial advisor uh, changes that will be there. I think another thing that will change. I hope it's it's taking a really really long time, but I I hope that the uh, that the fiduciary uh, issue continues to move in the direction that I think it should move in. And that is that anybody who's giving financial advice to a client should be a fiduciary. And that's my opinion. I know there are a lot of people that disagree with that, but I think that uh, these days clients are in bad need of financial advice. Um, you know, the, the old days when we had pension plans and, and so forth, uh, helping people through financially are uh, pretty much over. And so financial, uh, you know, it's very important that people become financially stable and financial, financially self-sufficient. And I think that that will help uh, happen a lot uh, more uh, easily if the advisors who are working for them are fiduciaries and put their interests first. So I think those are those are some of the major changes that I see. Well, Scott, our listeners are probably going to want to find a way to get a hold of you and find out more about First Ascent and what you can do for them. What is the best way for them to reach out for, to you? Well, you can uh, go to our website, firstascentam.com, AM for asset management. So firstascentam.com. Uh, on our website, you'll see lots of videos. We make uh, very good use of videos to explain who we are, what we do, how we do it. You can meet every member of our team uh, on our homepage through videos. And um, every, our, our phone numbers are there. You can call any one of us. Um, we're very open, transparent sort of organization. So visit our website and you can check us out in uh, quite a bit of detail. And then uh, if you like what you see, give us a call or send us an email and we'd be glad to, to talk to anybody who's interested in learning more. 
And Scott, you gave us two white papers. Uh, one is for an advisor to find out if they're a good candidate for outsourcing their portfolio management, because as you talk about in the paper, not everybody is. So we're going to make sure we have a link to that in the show notes. And also uh, another paper that's designed to help advisors think about the positions themselves to be successful in the pos- or how to position themselves to be successful in the future. So we're going to have those two white papers um, in our show notes, uh, which will probably redirect back to your website so they can spend some time on your site. But uh, closing thoughts, what else? uh, Did I miss asking you any questions or what do you think? No, I, I, I don't I don't think so. I just I think that the you know the world that we're in is changing and and the technology is changing and it's allowing us to do lots of things like we're doing at First Descent that are I think really uh, making a huge impact on uh, the financial advice uh, industry and the financial advice community. And um, you know we we're so glad to be a part of it and uh, you know being able to exercise our creative juices here to uh, come up with some good solutions. And uh, I just hope that there are some advisors out there who are interested in uh, learning more and uh, going on this journey with us. Scott, thank you so much for your thought leadership and all of your great information today. Hey, thank you, Matt. Really appreciate it. All right. Scott McKillop, CEO of First Ascent Asset Management. Uh, the one big takeaway that I want you to to think about, one, is is take a look at this white paper about should you outsource investment management. I think that there are so many advisors who want to maintain control over something that uh, it would be better if it was outsourced. And, and obviously, uh, Scott has got a magnificent platform uh, for you to be able to outsource. But the other thing that I want you to focus on and think about as you uh, as we wrap up the podcast is you can positively disrupt the industry things aren't as fixed as you might think they are you might have good you know complaints about compliance or whatever regulations but there's always a way to make our industry better for not only you as the advisor, but for your clients. And I believe, and I think all of us here at Top Advisor Marketing believe that what Scott's doing with First Ascent Asset Management is fundamentally changing the game. And those are the kind of people that we love to have on the podcast to bring that to you so that you can see that the world is truly changing. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, when we come out with a new idea, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know a financial services professional who should be outsourcing their their portfolio management, make sure you click that share button and share this podcast with them. So for everybody at First Ascent Asset Management and Iris and Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Hallern, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best-kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.